0: We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 13, so if you want to whip out your Bible. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease, where there are tongues, they will be stilled, where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part... And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So I've been given the lovely task of talking about love. Where are we right now? Well, in Corinthians, we're writing to Corinth. Corinth is a place in Greece, uh, and it's all kind of kicking off and not in a good way. People are being rather scandalous. So what is Corinthians 13 really kind of saying? Well, it's making it pretty clear that we need a little bit of love in our lives and he's also explaining quite a lot of detail what love looks like love is patient love is kind love does not dishonor others love is not self-seeking it's anger keeps no record of wrong love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth love always protects always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres love never fails so paul's written this pretty epic piece on love but what does that kind of love look like when you live it out and why is it important Well, as a typical Sunday school standard, Jesus is a pretty good example. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he sent down his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God loved us so much that he sent down Jesus so that we can have eternal life. So Jesus died for us because he loves us. Hopefully most of us understand that, but have you ever really, like, thought and fathomed what that means? What does it mean for Jesus to die on a cross for you today? Well, firstly, I can tell you a few things that Jesus must have done. He must have, firstly, really loved you, because otherwise, why would he go through the absolute torture of dying on a cross? Secondly, Jesus must have been exceptionally determined, because he could have just left that cross whenever the heck he decided. Just to give you a sense of scale, this is, a, this is God we're killing here, the creator of all things, all-powerful, all-knowing, choosing to die because he loves you. With a click of his fingers, he could have just been like, mm, that's enough. But instead, he decided to die for you because he loves you enough that he wants to have an eternal relationship with you. And it's because of this love that we can have faith and hope because we know that Jesus rose again, and now he lives in us, rent-free. Love is important because it's the foundation of our faith. As Christians, we have eternal life because of the love of Jesus. And we can experience the power of the Holy Spirit because we have now entered into an adoptive relationship with him, which means that we can still see miracles and healing and get words of wisdom and prophecy and just experience the entirety of this supernatural 2,000 years after Jesus left earth, which is a pretty powerful love. So now we've heard about the good news of Jesus, which hopefully, if you're here, you've heard before, and it's you know it's great we can go around and be like whoa Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you, it's all amazing, but we should also remember that we've been called to love our neighbour as ourselves. Ooh, there we, go. we should be sharing this amazing news because if you truly love your neighbour, then you're going to want the best for them. Here's a very simple explanation of what I'm trying to get at. If you knew somewhere that would sell petrol for 25p a litre and would never change their price, hopefully you'd get up the front and you'd share about it. Because it would change, well, certainly it would make my life exponentially better and it would make a lot of people's lives in here exponentially better. We're not excluding diesel, they can fill up for 25p as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not the one putting the petrol, the thing to remember is you're not the one putting the petrol in their car. If you tell me there's somewhere doing petrol for cheap, you're not going and filling it up for me. The same way that you're not delivering it to the forecourt or digging it up out of the ground in some random ocean somewhere. You've just told someone some good news and how their life is better. How much better is Jesus than petrol? <laughs> there we go. Gary, I'm glad you said that because if you didn't, I'd have been very concerned. When you tell someone about Jesus, all you're doing is telling them good news. It's God who saves and performs miracles. It's just us as the tool that Jesus has decided to work that through their lives Jesus is ultimately the crafter we're just the hammer and chisel sometimes it's going to be scary to share the gospel with people who aren't christian or to pray with them or just to be like yep i go to church that's me but you sitting here are aware of the transformation that Jesus can have and has had on your lives and you see it around you hopefully nearly daily and i would argue if you truly love your neighbor then you should show them the power of Jesus. And if you'd like our town to be changed, then you need to share with our town who Jesus is. But we shouldn't just tell them about this Jesus guy that loves them. We should act it out in in our lives. Because otherwise, when we tell them about this Jesus guy that wants to make their lives sunshine and rainbows, they're going to be like, what are you on about? Your life looks awful. (laughs) Jesus explained what it looks like to to live out loving your labor through the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 30, 37, which I'm gonna get up quickly. This is the issue with a digital Bible. You can't like bookmark things really easily. So you just sat here going like, oh, scrolling through like it's Instagram. Right. (laughs) Luke 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jericho, Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead a priest happened to be going down the same road and he saw the man who passed on the other side so to a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side but a Samaritan as he travelled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two denarii, which is some money, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when no I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have made. And then he goes on to ask, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, which one do you think was? <laughs> well, am I on the right page? There go. The man who was robbed was most likely a Jewish man just to give you some context of what's going on. And he was passed by a priest from Levi, who were people who were kind of meant to be his mates. But they rejected him there and then. Probably because in Jewish tradition, it's a big, like, please don't touch dead people. Like, it's a real big no-no in their culture, and they would have been considered unclean. So they avoided the man because their culture told them to. This is, you know, We might not be stoning people anymore, but for me, this is a little bit similar to cancel culture. Like, I can't be seen associated with you because this person over here said no. And I think as a church, we need to really be quite, uh, what's the right word? I I wanna say aggressive about being anti this, you know? God doesn't pick and choose who he loves. God loves us. The Samaritans were hated by Jewish people the same way that people out on the streets of Basingstoke might hate us. But it took courage for the Samaritan to go over and still help him. The Samaritan knew that the Jewish people hated him, but he put all of that one side, plucked up the courage and went over and said, he didn't even say, he just gave him a hand, didn't even ask. That takes courage, and it will take courage to love people like Jesus loves you. Paul, who was Saul, met God on the road to Damascus and went from killing followers of Jesus to quite literally following him around literally everywhere. That's the power of God. That miracle wasn't done by somebody who's here. But God still asked Anais to go and meet Paul after he transformed him. Anais wasn't very keen because he knew what Paul had been doing. Paul who was then Saul had been doing. He'd been going around and he'd been pretty mean to a lot of people who were following Jesus. But God, even after Anais argued with God, God went to him in Acts 9.15, Go, this man is my chosen instrument, speaking about Paul. There are people in this town that we might walk past who have spiritual anointings. People that we need to change our town, but also possibly to change our nation. And if we aren't prepared to show them the love of God, then they're never going to know, and we're never going to see his kingdom really come into fruition on earth. The same way Paul went on to help change nations, people who are sleeping homeless in the street could help change ours. So as I wrap it up, I have a question for you. Are you up for it? It's gonna take courage, but are you ready? Are you in? Are you gonna find the courage to love people and share the good news with them, to pray with them and to journey with them, to open up your home to them, to allow them to enter into your finance? Are you in? And I'm going to do something that we don't do particularly often on a Sunday morning, I don't think. And I'm going to ask you in a second, if you're in, to stand, and then we'll pray with you. Because it's going to take courage, and it's going to be hard, and am going to be rejected, time after time after time. But we know the love of Jesus, and we know how much that's changed our lives. And like I said, I'd argue that if you truly love your neighbor, then you should be sharing the good news of Jesus with them. So if you're in, would you like to stand? And if you can't stand, then hands are fine or whatever, and we'll pray with you. <laughs> we're in cool I'm going to pray thank you Father for all these people that have chosen to stand for you today Lord they have said I'm in I want the courage of the Samaritan they have said I want to be able to show the love that you show me Lord we thank you for them Lord would you bless these people as they go out into their workplaces and into their schools their universities wherever they are Lord would you fill their conversations with your spirit Father Would you bless them, Lord? Would you lift them up? Would they soar on wings like eagles, Father? Would they not be cast down by rejection and argument, Lord, but would that just strengthen their faith in you, Lord? Lord, we bless these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.